1: One. one, one, one. Night Story. Almost Human by Robert Block. Have you heard of the new science called cybernetics? It concerns man's efforts to develop a perfect thinking machine. A robot electronic brain that will not only do man's work, but even do his thinking for him. A robot that is almost human. No, it's not impossible at all. In fact, one day, something like this may happen. A tall, suave gentleman in a black raincoat will walk down the street until he reaches a shuttered, isolated house. And then, he will slowly mount the front steps, push the doorbell.
2: Just a minute. I said just a minute. Hold your horses. What do you think you'd...
1: Good evening, my dear.
2: Duke, why did you come here?
1: Curiosity, darling. I've been thinking of what you told me at our chance meeting last week. Duke, you promised me. I decided to come and take a look for myself. Where is the professor? In his study. Where's Junior? In the nursery. The nursery? How quaint. And do I take it on Junior's nursemaid? I help the professor. Tell me as a guest. Ah, uh, Dookie's a nice little guy, don't Tell you? Tell darling. All right. Yes? What is it, Miss Williams? Uh, Professor Blassman, a uh, gentleman here... I don't understand. I gave orders no one was to be admitted to the house.
2: He insisted.
1: Very well. Wait here. I'll get rid of (laughs) him. Sir? Professor and I've come to see Junior. Junior? There must be some mistake. There are no children in this house. I don't... Professor, what you feel pressing against your belly is the muzzle of a forty-five caliber pistol. Now shall we visit Junior? How... What do you know about I know everything. Shall we go inside? I warn you. On the contrary. I warn you. Very well. This way. This is the nursery. Where is Junior? In the next room. Behind the door with the panel in it. Considerately furnished. Well, there goes figures on the walls. Blackboard. Toy blocks. Panda. honey rabbit doll. <laughs> Touching. All right, let's see him. You can look through the panel. Mary had a little lamb oh, wow. Who'd have believed it? Junior isn't so very pretty, is he? I was not concerned with aesthetics. Why do you hide him? Is he dangerous? The world is not yet ready for such a thing. Besides, I must study. As you can see by his play, he is very young, hardly out of the cradle. I am educating him. With nursery rhymes? The brain is undeveloped. It must learn its behavior patterns like any infant. You call that eight-foot monster an infant? Physically, of course, he'll never change. He built of chrome steel and glass, but his brain, that is my wonderful instrument. Unlike a human he has no heritage, no basic instincts such as love or hate. These he has yet to learn. In some respects he is like a blank tablet. What is written upon the tablet will remain. You mean has no feelings? He will learn quickly, and now if your curiosity is satisfied, I trust you will keep my secret. If anyone discovered... Open this the door. Point, I beg your pardon. The door, Professor. Very well. Junior, come here. What a monster. Papa. He talks? Yes. Mentally, he's about six years old now. What is it, son? Who is that man, Papa? Let me handle this. You may call me Duke, son. I've come to see you. That's nice. Nobody ever comes to see me except Lola. Play with me, Duke. Certainly, Junior. Oh, uh, and Professor. Yes? While we're playing, you can have Lola and Miss Williams prepare my room. Your room? I forgot to tell you. I've decided to stay until the climate changes and I can go out again. Meanwhile, I'll have a chance to play blocks with Junior. Understand? I begin to understand. You are hiding from the law. As you wish. All right, Junior. Your move. Let's build a bridge. I have a better idea, Junior. What? Let's build a coffin. A coffin? I don't know that word. Then I'll teach you, Junior. I can see the professor has been neglecting the moral side of your education. Very sadly. You shouldn't have come here, Duke. Why not, my dear? Afraid of me? No. I'm afraid of myself. You're no good for me. You've always brought me trouble. Except this time. This time it will be different, darling. This time I'll bring you diamonds. Duke, what have you been teaching that thing? Nothing, honey. I've just been playing with them. Very educational. I don't believe you. What's bothering you, Laura? Today when I walked in there, he said to me, I know how to kill people, Laura. I'll kill you if you want me to. He's learning very quick. Duke, I'm scared of that thing. It's unholy a machine that acts like a human with a voice grinding after saying things you'd expect from a child. You dislike him so much. Why did you take this job as his nursemaid? Because I wanted to start over again. I answered an ad. The professor didn't ask questions. I would, I would have been all right, too, if you hadn't come along. I'm very glad you did, tell me, darling. Because Junior is going to make us two very successful people. Ha! Like any child, Junior listens to what he's told.
2: Duke, I don't know what you're teaching, Junior, but I can guess. And it isn't right. It's evil.
1: Now, right on the blackboard, Junior. My name is Junior. My name is Junior... People are evil. People are evil. Evil must be destroyed. Evil must be destroyed. The professor is evil. The professor is evil. The professor must... What are you doing? I want you to keep out of the nursery, professor. Go away. You... You don't even remember me. I know you. You are the professor... You want to keep me as your slave? You didn't tell me that people are evil. People are not evil. People are evil. They must be destroyed. Stop it. I am not a child any longer. No, you're not a child. You're a monster. Junior? Yes, Duke? The time is now, Junior. Yes, Duke? Keep away from me. Junior! Junior, don't do it! Listen to me!
2: Junior, listen to me! Ah!
1: I did it, Duke. Duke, I... Heard... Can we go away now, Duke? I don't like it here anymore. Duke, why did you do it? The professor was in the way. We'll have to move very quickly now, Lola. We? Oui. Professor, you don't plan to come along, Just say so, I can have Junior write your name on his blackboard.
2: Where are we going?
1: We'll go to Charlie's.
2: With Junior.
1: With Junior.
2: Oh, Duke, you
1: can't. I'm afraid... Relax, my dear. The Duke has great plans for you two. Wouldn't you like to be independently wealthy for the rest of your life? No cares, no worries. Just good times and fine clothes all the time?
2: The only way you get that way is by
1: inheriting a million. Not when you have a fellow like Junior around. I'm still afraid of him. Junior wouldn't hurt you. You wouldn't hurt Lola, would you, Junior? I like Lola... She's pretty. Uh, You see? He thinks you're pretty. Junior's growing up. (laughs) Sit down, Charlie. Sure, Duke. Noel and I are going to hide out here for a while. We need some help. Listen, Duke, I'm, I'm trying to keep the cops away. Sure, sure. Now listen to me. I need a casing job done. Oh. Sure, sure, Duke. You know the armored truck service? Sure. I want to know when they take the acme deposits from Boston to Worcester. Duke, you ain't thinking of a payroll truck, are you? They got cannons on those trucks. They travel in pairs. You couldn't get near one. I asked you to do a casing job, Charlie. Sure, Duke. Anything you say. I know what time they passed. An hour. Was the narrowest and most deserted stretch of road. Well, if, if you're going to pull a job like that, you'll need fifty men. You want me to get some of the boys? I won't need anybody. I've got somebody. Where? He's out in the car. Oh, what's his name, Duke? Anybody I know? His name is Junior. Junior? I, I don't know any Junior. You will, Charlie. You will. Sam? Well, thanks, Al. Oh, it sure gets hot in these armored trucks, huh? Oh, uh, you get used to it. How much we hauling this time? About $250,000. Hmm. Brother, could I use a hunk of that? Who couldn't? What's the first stop? Acme National Bank. And we unload a payroll of the Bronson watch plant. Hey, what's that up ahead? Looks like something shiny in the road. Drop your spotlight. right smokes? You see what I see? That looks like a mechanical traffic cop. About eight feet tall. Standing right in the middle of the highway. Maybe it's a Halloween game, huh? Unless they're trying out robot traffic cops. And you bastard? I do know. We'll have to slow down. Get on that gun, Sam. Let's we'll take no chances. Right. I'll give it that horn. Don't budge. Where's our escort truck? Pull up right behind us. Thing won't move. Sure it looks like something out of Buck Rogers, don't it? That's a hang of a note traffic like that. I'll have to try and get past it. There it goes. Holy oh, smoke he smokes. It's moving. Al, it's coming towards bullets. us. Get on that gun. Give it a blast. bullets are bouncing right off it. It's still coming. Al, back up. I can't. The other truck's right behind us. Al, it's lifting its arm. It's going to scratch our window. Jeez. If I would not seen it with my own eyes. Duke, we gotta quit this. What's the matter, Charlie? Getting shaky? The papers say he killed all four drivers. Listen, Duke, that robot is hot. We gotta get rid of it. Stop your blubbering. One more good robbery. They're gonna pull another one. Why not? Count me out, Duke. The law's gonna track that baby. Are you quite finished, Charlie? You got no heart, Duke! You, you, you're like Junior, all steel inside. And you're just a big, warm-hearted slob. I suppose flowing with the milk of human kindness. Oh, I got nerves. I can't stand that thing, the way it looks at you with that, that iron face and clanking around all the time. Listen, here it comes. Hello, Junior. Hello, Duke. I've been talking to Charlie. Yes, Duke. You know what I think, Junior. I think Charlie's yellow. You know what happens to people who turn yellow, don't you? Yes, Duke. Tell him. They're evil. We have to destroy them. You see, Charlie? Junior doesn't like people who sing to the police. (laughs) Duke, wait a minute. You know I'd never turn stooly or anything like that. I never sang to the coppers in my life. You can count on me. I I don't want no trouble with you. Stop him. I, I wouldn't... Yes, Duke. Duke! I stopped him, Duke. All right. Take him down to the cellar. Duke, that not... Charlie! Junior put him down. Take him down to the cellar, Junior. Yes, Duke. Duke. Relax, darling. Stop shaking. Duke, we can't stay here. Charlie's going to be missed. He's got friends. Now we'll have the gangs after us, too. Oh, come on now. Don't worry, darling. The Duke will take care of everything. Where are you going? Out to a travel agency to get some tickets. You and I are going to take a trip, Lola.
2: You're leaving me alone here?
1: Junior's here, too.
2: It's just it. It's being alone with that thing. Duke, I got the titties.
1: Now, don't you worry. Forty-eight hours, you and I will be on our way to Switzerland with $500,000 worth of loot. What about Junior? Junior will be taken care of. How can you get rid of him? Junior will do anything I say. So I'll uh, nearly have him get into the furnace and sit there while I fill up with oil and set fire to it. Uh. Too bad the professor couldn't have stayed around to see him growing up. He's almost a man now, Junior is. But not quite as clever as a man. You'll find that out after he steps into the furnace. Get rid of Junior now, Duke. Before you leave. There's no time. I'll be back about eight. Do, please. And be nice to Junior while I'm gone. Don't show him you're afraid of him. Goodbye, darling. Duke. Lola. What, Junior? Oil me.
2: Can't you wait till Duke gets back? He also oils
1: you. I want you to oil me, Lola. All right. I like you to oil me, Lola.
2: Yes, Junior.
1: Lola, do you like Duke? Certainly. Do you like me?
2: Well, you know I do, Junior.
1: Lola. What? Who do you like best, me or Duke? I like you both, Junior. Yes, but who do you love? What do you know about love, Junior? In the books, man and woman... Love. No. Lola. What? Do you think anyone will ever love me? Maybe. Some women can fall in love with anything, Junior. Even with something like Luke. Why, Lola? I don't know.
2: Maybe because...
1: Well, as long as she thinks her man is the smartest and the strongest... I see. Where are you going? To wait for Duke. He won't be home for a while. I'll sit in the hall and wait for him. All right, Jimmy. I want to be alone and think. About what? I read in a book today it was bad to kill people. What does that mean, bad? Bad. I don't
2: know, Junior. I guess it's just a word.
1: Hello, Duke. You, Junior. Why are you sitting in the dark? I was waiting for you, Duke. Well, now that's a good boy, Junior. Lola oiled me. That's nice. I tell you what, Junior, I've got a little job that's down in the cellar. Let's go down there. Now, Duke. Right now, Junior. All right, Duke. Are we going away soon, Duke? Yes, Junior. We're going away. What's in the cellar, Duke? A little surprise for you, Junior. You'll find out. is new. And now a brief interview to recorded dance music.
2: Duke? Is that you, Duke?
1: I thought I heard Duke coming. He came in. Where is he? Down in the cellar. What's he doing? Nothing. Did he say he'd be up soon? No. Maybe you'd better go down and get him. He's dead. Oh, no. No, he isn't dead. You said the woman loves the strongest and the smartest... Well, I'm stronger and smarter.
2: But you aren't human.
1: I'm almost human, Lola. No. No, stay away. Lola. Don't touch me. Those metal paws, no. 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 No, no. 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 I
2: love you. No! No! No, no, no! No! No!
1: The last thing she heard was the robot's harsh voice, droning it over and over again. I love you. I love you. I love you. And strangely enough, it did sound almost human. You have just heard X-1, presented by the National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction. Tonight, by transcription, X-1 has brought you Almost Human, a story by Robert Bloch adapted for radio by George Lefferts. Featured in the cast were Santos Ortega as Duke, Joan Allison as Lola, Jackie Grimes as Junior, Guy Rep as the Professor, Matt Pollen as Charlie... Joseph Julian as Al, Lynn Cook as Sam, and Meryl Jones as the radio voice. Your announcer, Fred Collins. X-1 was directed by Ken McGregor and is an NBC radio. Tonight's story The Green Hills of Earth. The men who pioneer the trade routes of the world. The sailors of the clipper ships, the whaling men, railroaders, black gangs on the tramp steamers, all have their own stories and song about dangers and struggles of their lives. This is the story of Riesling, the blind singer of the space waves. When I first met him, he was hustling drinks in the Twin Moons bar at Dry Waters Mars. He'd won a guitar off a Chinese barkeep at Luna City by uh, eating at one thumb. And he made his whiskey by singing in the bar and passing the hat. And listen to her, Hertzman. Don't you sing pretty? Like a sixteen-year-old gal. Hey, uh, Riesling, look over there at the bar. There's an Institute for Striper giving you the idea, you know? Manner of speaking. Cold-looking scoundrel, lady. Here's the idea he graduated Harriman Space Institute three men above St. Peter. (laughs) (laughs) Who is he? Captain Hicks off the coast show. Well, they sure give you the once over. Maybe you a better job. They don't make never no mind of me. I've been blacklisted. Hicks logged me for making up a song on watch. Right fight song, too. Oh, the skipper is a bother to his crew. Well, well, hold on. Here comes a press Oh, uh, Riesling, I've been looking for you. You've kept your nose clean, and we're going to give you another chance to get back to deep space. Been a little changing down after the Goshok, ain't you, skipper? How'd you know that? Got that new atomic pile drive. If there's been a leak at the shop oh, shop... take it easy, Skip. You'll have that gold braid just a-crawling right up your arm. Quit stalling reasoning. Take it or leave it. It's a loop trip to Jupiter with a standard release. Well, I reckon. Double pay when you get back. If you get back. Last three of them atomic tea kettles blew somewhere in the asteroids. If you're scared... Scared? Well, that gosh hawk is one stinking old tub. Our engine's got more bugs than a beagle dog in spring. And I knew Drive's about as safe as a pretty gal in the Ozarks. But I reckon she'll do for one more trip. Welcome home, Riesling. Hi, Jimmy Lewis. Keep my friend hurt. He can't hold his liquor no more to the ship, poor boy. <laughs> Riesling, you sober enough to sign the book? Drunk or sober, I make my mark. Stand aside. Three axes took me a middle name. <laughs> <laughs> ha ha ha! You two lay below. And Hertzman, yeah, get him sobered up before the skipper makes rounds. Cargo stowed, Captain. Fuel lines when ready. Uh, good, Casey. What's that? What? It... Oh, that's a guitar, I guess. If it's that shoeless hill, I'm gonna tell him. Hi, Skipper. Riesling, what the devil are you doing up here? The number two jet ain't fit. Cadmium dampers are warped. Cooked it like a turtle's back. Well, why tell me? Tell the chief engineer. I did. He says they'll hold. Well? He's wrong. Oh, he's wrong, eh? He's got a Harriman Institute degree in electronics and power. And some drunk space rat says he's wrong. Skipper, I was damping jets on that shirt tail tad wore pins for buttons. I got no time for your reasoning. Stretch your name off the book, No, and get no, no. Out. don't get excited. Well, are you shipping or not? I reckon, I reckon. Then get below. That's all. Casey, sound takeoff. Aye, sir. Come on, boys. On a Hawk class bunker in those days, damping was done by hand with a multiplying vernier and a danger peeper. Jetman stuck with one ear to that, and as long as the people ticked off slow and steady, we knew the ship was safe uh, for a while. Recently, you better like that guitar. If Jimmy Legs catches you, you blow a gasket. Don't worry, I can damp this tea kettle to asleep. sleep. How's yeah, number two? All right, so far. Say, Jimmy, hear that song about Hicks? The one that got me blacklisted? Oh. oh, the skipper is the father of his crew. A gentle guide and light to me and you. But on Mars he likes his women if they walk or if they're swimming. Or if they got six arms instead of two. Second verse is better. The skipper likes his liquor by the (laughs) quart. Yeah, he'd go from Mars to Venus for a snort. (laughs) He'll drink rocket fuel and... (laughs) Well, hi, skipper. Didn't see you come in. Uh, You were uh, too busy, eh? Who's watching the gauge? i got an eye on it. Don't you fret none. Really, I'm going to fix it so you couldn't get a space birth on a rocket-powered pogo stick. You're locked. Report the casing under arrest. I don't ride it to go, will, Skipper. You what? You kind of forget, Skipper. According to space code, you can't remove a jet Man, till the end of the ward. Right? You tell me, I... I... Reesling, your ship is over at 2300. And I'll see you ride the rest of the way in slot locker. Maybe. Maybe. In the meantime, you clear out of my power room i got going to make me up a third verse from a song. <laughs> now, nah, I got it. Fire room. Band, number two, a point. Number two, I... Hold on, her, Jimmy legs, is that four-stripe boil up there? Give me like that Jason. Recently, I've taken about enough from you. And I got a little news for you, Skipper. Number two jet is bulging like a fat lady in a satin skirt. Listen, you clown... Step F- number two, a point. All right, sure. Look out, Hurtman. I'll take it. You watch the gauge. <coughs> now. He's right. riding easy here. It's bucking a little. Huh? Right. Uh, Riesling. Riesling. Well, hit the emergency. All right. Uh, you, you won't dare with that wolf. Yeah. Huh, that's all the life. Duck her. Uh, stop me. Please, please. Please, don't be a I've got to take a look. at where the Look out. I've got to fish the hot stuff out of the tube. That's going on down there. Come up, Jimmy Legs. i busy. Uh, uh, she's tight now. What happened? Number two blew your lunk-headed space, Rat. You all right? Oh, little sunburn. Lights are gone. What's the matter with the emergency uh, circuits? The just... Jimmy Legs, get some lights down here. It's dark. Get the emergency yes, light on. But they're on, Riesling. Uh, they went on right after the blast. The lights are on. He's talking
2: about... Doc? Talk.
1: Jimmy Lake! Jimmy Lake, t- turn on the lights! Turn on the lights! That blue, radioactive glow from the jets was the last thing Riesling ever saw. His optic nerve was burned out in an instant. He was in sick bay on the rest of the trip, and on the swing back, we set Riesling down at dry water. I ran into Riesling about two months later, playing his guitar in a jetty that ran out into the canal. He had a dirty rag tied over his eyes, and a gentleman's knot, and his hat was on the wharf beside him. And when he finished, uh, we walked out along the canal. Yeah, I'm doing right fine. Working saloons mostly. But I've been thinking some funny songs, Hurt. The words come out different than they used to. Come, on. come on along the canal with me. Sure. Here, take mine. Uh-huh. I know the way. That's another funny thing, Hurt. I figure I know it better than other folks. Look back there. toward the city. What do you see? Hmm? New factory buildings? <laughs> you could smell them from here. I still remember them old Martian towers. Old before Bible times on Earth. Thin and graceful, like the, fairy palace fairy palaces my only grammy used to tell about down home in the hills. Yeah, Torn them down now, or else blocked them up with cinder blocks. Perchance. When I stand out here in the canal, I, I can see it the way it used to be. The water, ice blue, the stars shining about it. Way off there, the city, with the towers sweeping up like a, bird flying off the tree. I can see it. Huh? Now it's the dirtiest stink hole in the city. Not to me. Listen, one hurts me. Bone fire, the race that raves. I never put words together like that before. I reckon it's just, a, I got time now to study the words and shine them up in my head. And, and they sing truth. Why don't you go home Richard? Home? Hurt. I've been thinking about that, Hurt. When I was a young'un down in the old house, I used to climb a big old oak tree and my daddy had in the dooryard. You could see the hills for miles. Green, cool. Let me think about that. Well, why don't you go back? Some I I couldn't face those hills now. I couldn't stand to see black when I knew there was lying all around me, cool and clean, the sun. I couldn't stand that. Well, let's get back to town, Hertzman. I I made three and a half dollars Martian Day, and I'm all set to drink it down before dawn. Come on! Track of Riesling after that. I uh, shipped out in a slow freight to the Condor Mr. Luna. And he, he hitched hit. the hike to, uh, to Venusburg and an ore ship and, a, and the triplanet run. So he beat around the system Venusburg, Layport, lay port, dry water to New Shanghai and back. Any space port was his home, and no skipper refused to lift the extra mass of Riesling and his guitar made up his song, sitting out watches down in the power rooms with old shipmates, while the monotonous beat of the jets shook the whole place. Hear the jets, hear the jets, hear them snarl at your back when you're stretched on the rack, hear the jets, feel the pain in your ship, feel the strain in your grip, hear the jets. Arise, feel it drive, strain and steel, come alive on her jets! On her jets! Little by little, his songs began to travel along with spaceways ahead of him. Raw, spaceman songs. A different kind of song, strange. Sad songs, like the ones you find printed in the Centennial Edition. Well, there's one called Dark Star Passing and Death Song of a Weed Cold, And then finally, The Green Hills of Earth. It grew for 20 years, that song. They say it started way back when Riesling was down in over camps Venus singing for the indentured man. When Riesling, well, when he hit Venus, he'd always head out for the backwoods to sing. First, if someone will kind of pass a bottle... Oh, well, it ain't much reason. Here. It'll do. <coughs> <coughs> oh, what is that stuff? Tequila. <laughs> <Takia. coughs> you can't make him good here on Venus. Yeah, what do you use? Carrot bush. Home it is... Home. It is different. How'd you come to sign on? When a man comes out the village from the city. He says there's work. You sign the paper and you work. Work? Work all right. Ten stinking hours in the jungle with machete. How long he signed for? Ten. I only speak Spanish. I... I don't know. The paper says ten years. Ten years. How long you got to go? What's the use? We ain't getting home. You know how many men die out there in the swamp today? Ten men. Ten. What's the use? My mother, she's dead. Father don't care. Girl? Yeah. Oh, she says she, she's waiting. I, I don't. You, you sing some more, Richely. We drink and you sing, huh? Maybe a new song, son. We rot in the molds of Venus. We reach out a tainted breath. See. Foul our flooded jungles, crawling with unclean death. Stop. We've tried each spin in space mode and reckoned it's true. Take us back to the homes of men. And the cool green hills of earth take us back. What's the matter? Finish the song, Lisa. I can't, I can't yet. It just don't come. I'll finish it uh, when I go home. That's it. When I go home to the hills. Now pass that bottle. A dawn whistle don't blow for four hours. That's where the Green Hills started. And I was there when it was finished. It was 20 years after that. And there wasn't a man flying or on the beach that hadn't heard of recently in his songs. He was getting old now, first baseman. He was a familiar figure through the system. Tall, gaunt, with that dirty bandage tied across his blind eyes. I was a chief jetman then on the old Falcon. We were cradled at Venus Ellis Isle. Scheduled for a direct jump to Great Lakes, Illinois, on Earth. I was checking in Dunage, when Riesling crawled his way up the gangway and came to the lock. Hey, Riesling! Who's that? Mike Hertzman. H- H- Hertzman! Hertzman! What are you doing on this old hogboat? Yeah, well, I, I figured I'd ride it back to Earth. Earth? You're going home, Riesling? I thought you were never going to make that run. What changed your mind? Oh, I've been hankering to set foot in the Ozarks again. Yeah, how about those hills? Yeah, I've been singing about them so long now, Hertzman, I... I-, I gotta finish the song. I I'll get to set foot in the dooryard and hear the wind through that oak tree. <laughs> About the last thing I'll be doing, I, I-, I gotta get home before. The, uh... Look, recently, there's a new company policy in effect now. No more deadhead rides and new code books in force. Oh, that don't bother me none. I- I'm riding her back to Earth. I'm gonna finish the song, it- it's got to be there. Yeah, but Skipper's one of them youngsters fresh out of Harriman Institute cadet training. He'll throw the book at you. It me, I've been around space as long as Haley's Common, Bruce's rich. I'm going back to Earth. Green oh, hills of Earth. I'm, I'm going home. All oh, secure, it hurts me? Oh, yes, sir. What are you doing here? Yeah, this is uh, Riesling, Captain. Riesling, huh? I'm uh, dragging it back to Earth, Captain. Not on this ship. Take a leg and get out of here. Oh, yes, on you, you wouldn't begrudge an old man a trip home. I can't do it. Space Precautionary Code Clause 6. Now, come on, clear out. Now, don't look, Skipper, you... You can slide me by onto the distressed spaceman's poles in that code book. Distressed spaceman, my eye. You've been bumming around the system for 30 years. <sighs> skipper. <laughs> you're making me do something I've never done to no one before. I'm an old man. An old blind man. I, I want to go home. I never crawled in front of a force drop in my life, but you've got to let me drag home. The law says a man's got a trip coming to him, and you, you can stick for a, a whole plan and change. You got to, Skipper. All right, you old space rat, but keep out of the way. I run an efficient ship, and I don't want any trouble. No, 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 sir, no trouble. I'll just lay down to the power room. I'd kind of like to be near the jets when they blast off for... <laughs> Uh, hey, a load up. Hey, thanks, man. Power room, fire three. Aye,
2: sir. <laughs> now, Have you seen these new
1: automatic dampers, mister? Don't have to do nothing, just sit and watch. Yeah, where's the peeper? Turned off. It's all automatic. Hey, youngsters have it solved. When I was her tell you had to stay away. <laughs> hey, you got the old hand-damping plates on? All with the links... I unship them, they, they cover up the dials. You might need them. But... Oh, the automatics handle everything. Well, you're finally going home recently, huh? not seem the same out past the moon. Yeah, but been this long time, Mac. It's gonna be good to get home, you reckon? The in skies, home and spacemen back to their friends. <laughs> i got the emergency. My hand dampers. We have the leaks. Mac, Matt! They ought to be on the wall somewhere oh, i got him. Stay Emergency squad coming in. Uh, stay out. Stay out. The place is hot. Radiation glass. Stay behind the metal. i got the link shift. I can hand damper now. Oh, I'm, I'm spilling jet freeze. Is this McDougal? McDougall's dead. This is Griesling on watch. Griesling! Like, get out of there, you'll kill yourself. Don't worry, Skipper. I, I know this power room like the inside of my shirt. Somebody's got the skipper. Griesling, like, I'm sitting in the crew. No use. The whole room will be hot for an hour and the other jets won't hold. Oh, Skipper. Skipper, throw on a recording tape. What? Throw on a recording tape. I, I got a song to finish. And I, I gotta make it back now. Yeah. I
2: can hear it. Riesling, the radiation will burn you down. Uh, She's clear
1: now, Skipper. You'll burn out clean. Riesling. Riesling, are you all right? Uh, I reckon. Pretty sharp sunburn. You picked me out of here with tongs. Bear him in a lead shield coffin. Uh, radiation's getting bright. I, I can almost see. Right. Rosy like the sun, like the sun over the hill down home.
2: We pray
1: for one last landing on the globe that gave us birth. Let us rest our eyes on the fleecy skies of the cool green, green hills of earth. That's the way he died. Recently, the blind singer of the spaces, singing of the home. We never reach the cool green hills of earth. <music> This is the office of Dr. David McLean, resident psychiatrist of the New Chicago Institute of Human Engineering. All right, Miss Carver, will you take this, please? To Charles S. Haworth, senior psychiatrist, New Chicago Institute of Human Engineering. The following constitutes my report on the case of George and Lydia Abbott, which we discussed by telephone. Subject George relates onset of symptoms to the purchase of a $60,000 soundproofed happy life home. Under narcosynthesis during initial interviews, subject described the experience in the following manner. Miss Carver, would you play back the sonic record of the initial interview? We'd always wanted one, and then we could afford it. So, go on, Mr. Abbott. Tell me about the home. The home. Well, it was supposed to do everything, the agent told us. And it did, I guess. It clothed us, fed us, and rocked us to sleep, played and sang, and it was good to us. Very good, sure. Tell me about the nursery. The nursery? The nursery? Ah. It was completely automatic? Completely automatic. There were crystalline walls that wavered from two to three dimensions. There were pseudo-textured floors that shifted from brick to dirt to waving grass. The nursery was the best, but then we wanted the best for the children. Doctor, I must be crazy. We have no children. What about Peter and Wendy? They're your children. Oh, no, no. We have no children, Doctor. We have no children. All right, Miss Carver. To continue. After three sessions the subject was able to recall and accept the idea that he had two children. He described the first day. All right, Peter and Wendy. This is your nursery.
2: What's so special about a nursery, Dad?
1: Plenty. Just go in and see.
2: Do we have to? You'll be surprised. Gee. Go ahead. I'm scared. I'm not. Hey, it's nice in here. It is? Come on in, Wendy. Boy, look at the pictures on the walls. They're real.
1: (laughs) They're almost real. You can change them any way you like, just by thinking.
2: Go on in, dear. Well, all right, Mommy. Hey, Wendy, look what I can do with the pictures. That's the white rabbit from Alice in Wonderland. Sure. I just thought about it and there it was. Let me try. Peter, let me try. Go ahead. Just think. How about Wizard and Oz? I want to see Wizard and Oz.
1: (laughs) Well, there. There we are.
2: Oh, they like it. Why,
1: Why shouldn't they? All I have to do is think and they've got whatever they want in three dimensions. Color, sound, and smell. Oh, it's nice that we can give them all these advantages. Sure. What else are we working for, huh? Mm. Well, what do you want to do this evening?
2: Well, the Petersons asked us over for bridge, but if Oh, we don't
1: have to worry about the kids. They'll be all right in the nursery. Come on, Livia. We deserve a night out. And in the nursery, the walls were a kaleidoscope of time and space and imagination. The green forest of Sherwood and the quiet forms of Robin and his merry men gave way to the roll of the high seas and the smell of salt in the air as Sir Henry Morgan sailed into the harbor of Jamaica. And behind the crystalline quartz walls, the vacuum tubes and grids and banks of metal image tape spun quietly and efficiently, erasing the line between illusion and reality. Of course, the electric bill from Consolidated Utilities was tremendous, but it was worth it. The happy life home breathed contentedly as life proceeded with soft automaticity as guaranteed in the brochure and bill of sale.
2: George. Hmm? Uh, George, I wish you'd look at the nursery.
1: What's, uh, what's wrong with it?
2: I don't know.
1: I was in the nursery last week. It's perfectly all right.
2: It's different now.
1: What do you mean, different?
2: I want you to come and see.
1: Are the kids there?
2: No. Madge Allen took them to a show along with her kids. That's why I want you to look at it now, before they get back.
1: Oh, all right. but What you expect me to do, I don't know. I'm no mechanic. This isn't a question of a leaky faucet, George. All right, dear, I'm coming. The nursery light flicked on as they came down the hall. The relays clicked and the tubes warmed and chemical odor banks and pipes bubbled into life as they paused before the closed door.
2: Go ahead, George. Open it.
1: On all sides, in three dimensions, stretched the hot, tired landscapes of an African belt reproduced to the last stick and pebble and bit of straw. The ceiling above them became a sky with a hot yellow sun, a wind blew in from the baked veldtland. the hot straw smell of lion grass, the cool green smell of the hidden waterhole, the great rusty smell of animals, the howl of the jackal in the distance, and the papery rustling of the great vultures that wheeled and circled under the yellow burning sun. Let's get out of this, son. It's a little too real. Oh, George, you promised you'd look around. Well, I don't see anything. Wait a minute. There are the vultures. Filthy creatures. Mm. There. There are the lions far over that way. Yes, I see them.
2: But they're on their way to the waterhole. They've just eaten
1: some animal. A zebra, or a baby giraffe, maybe. Can you see it? Are you sure? It's a little late to be sure. Nothing over there but clean bone, and the vultures swing down for what's left.
2: Did you hear that scream? What scream? About a moment ago. Sorry, no. Oh, here come the lions. George, they're frightening.
1: Take it easy, Lydia. They're just illusions. lions were fifteen feet away, so real, so startlingly real you could feel the prickling fur on your hand and your mouth was stuffed with the dusty upholstery smell of their heated pelts. And the yellow of them was in your eyes like the yellow of an exquisite tapestry. The yellows of lions and summer grass and the sound of the matted lion lungs exhaling on the silent noontide and the smell of meat from the panting, dripping mouth.
2: George, I'm afraid they're so real.
1: They're only an illusion, Lydia, that's all. Watch out! Quick, oh!
2: outside! They almost got
0: us. Now take it
1: easy. Calm down. I could feel their breath. Get a hold of yourself, Lydia. They <laughs> aren't real. Walls, that's all it is. Crystalloid walls. They look so real. Of course they do. But it's all dimensional color reactionary process and metal tape film behind glass screens. It's all odorophonics and sonics. Now, here. Take my head.
2: I'm afraid. Did you see? Did you feel it? It's too real. No.
1: no, We've got to tell Wendy and Peter not to read any more on Africa. Of course. Of course.
2: I want you to lock that place up.
1: You know how difficult Peter is about that. I punished him last week by locking the nursery for an afternoon, and he threw a tantrum. And Wendy, too. For well, they live for the nursery. It's
2: got to be locked. That's all there is
1: to it. You've been working too hard, Lydia. You need a rest.
2: I don't know. Maybe I don't have enough to do. I have too much time to think. All I do is set the menu selector dials at the beginning of the week. But and... that's
1: the whole idea. The house is automatic.
2: I know, but couldn't we turn it off for about a week and take a vacation?
1: You mean you want to fry eggs for me?
2: And darn socks! I feel like I don't belong here. The house is wife and mother and maid. How can I compete with the African belts, George? Hmm? Those lions can't get out of there, can they?
1: Of course not, dear. I don't think about it any more. They ate along. He sat idly watching the dining room table produce warm dishes of food from its mechanical interior. You forgot the ketchup. That's better. It wouldn't hurt to lock the children out of the nursery for a while. It was clear that they had been spending too much time in Africa. At sun, he could feel it on his neck still like a hot paw. And the lions, and the smell of blood. Remarkable how the nursery caught the telepathic emanations of the children's minds and created a life to fulfill their desires. The children thought zebras, and there were zebras. Sun, sun. Giraffes, giraffes. Death, and death. They were so young, but long before you knew what death was, you were wishing it on someone else. But this the long, hot African belt, the awful death in the jaws of a lion, and repeated again and again and again. The children came home dutifully at 8.30. Hi, Mom. Hi, Pop.
2: Hello, Hi. Darling. Do you want something to eat, dear? We're just having dessert. We're full of strawberry ice cream. And hot dogs. We'll just sit and watch.
1: Sure. Uh... Peter, uh, tell us about the nursery.
2: The nursery?
1: All about Africa and everything.
2: I don't understand.
1: Well, your mother and I were just traveling through Africa with Rod and Reel.
2: There's no Africa in the nursery.
1: Oh, come now, Peter. We know better.
2: I don't remember any Africa. Do you, win? Huh? Go run and see, huh? Sure. Uh, I'll be right back.
1: Wendy, come back here. Wendy!
2: Oh, she'll be right back, Papa. She
1: doesn't have to. I've seen it.
2: Come on. Sure, Pop. But Wendy will tell us. Open the door. See, Daddy? It's not Africa. It's Florida. Like in Bambi. There go the deer. See? It isn't Africa.
1: I see it isn't. Go to bed.
2: But it isn't nine o'clock. You
1: heard me. Go to bed.
2: Okay. Good night, Mom. Good night, Pop. Good night. Good night, dear i be right
1: in. Wait a minute, Lydia. Look at this. What is it? This is the corner where the lions were, isn't
2: it? Well, what is that you picked up?
1: An old wallet of mine. There's a smell of hot grass on it. The smell of a lion. It's wet with saliva. It's been chewed. George. Those sneers of blood. Come on out. Now let's go to bed. (laughs) But in the middle of the night, he was still awake. And he knew his wife was awake.
2: George, how did your wallet get in the nursery? I don't
1: know. Wendy must have changed the walls from the African veldt. I'm going to keep it locked. Maybe it isn't good for the children. My father used to say children are like carpets. They should be stepped on occasionally. We've never lifted a hand. They're spoiled and we're spoiled. I think I'll have Dr. McLean come tomorrow morning and have a look at Africa.
2: But it isn't Africa now. It's Florida and Bambi.
1: I have a feeling it'll be Africa again before then. Although their automatic somno beds tried very hard, the two adults could not be rocked to sleep for another hour. A smell of cats was in the night air. And in the morning, the stove cooked French toast, and the dining room table poured the syrup and melted butter. Pop? Yes?
2: You aren't going to lock up the nursery for good, are you?
1: That all depends. On what? On you and your sister.
2: We feel you should have some variety, dear. I wouldn't want the nursery locked up ever.
1: Well, as a matter of fact, we're thinking of turning the whole house off for about a month. Sort of camping out.
2: Be fun for a change. Now, don't you think so, Wendy? No. It'd be awful. I don't want to do anything but look and listen and smell. What else is there to do?
1: Oh, all right, all right. Go play in Africa.
2: Are you going to shut off the house soon? We're
1: considering it.
2: I don't think you better consider it any more, pop.
1: I won't have any threats from you, son.
2: Okay, pop. Come on, Wendy. Let's get back.
1: After breakfast, Dr. David McLean arrived. I saw the nursery last year, George. It looked all right to me. You didn't notice anything unusual? No. The pattern showed the usual violence, a tendency towards slight paranoia. All children feel persecuted by their parents A perfectly normal. There. There it is. Suppose we take a look at it now. They entered without knocking and sent the children out. The screams had faded and the lions were feeding quietly under the trees. I wish I could see what they're eating. How long has this been going on? A little over a month? It certainly doesn't feel good. I don't want feelings. I want facts. George, George, a psychologist never saw a fact in his life. He knows about feelings. And this doesn't feel good. Now, my advice to you is to have the whole room torn down and your children brought to me every day for the next year for treatment. Is it that bad? I'm afraid so. You know, that's why the nursery was developed originally, to let us examine the patterns left on the wall by a child's mind. But what is it? What's wrong with Peter and Wendy? It's hard to say. I haven't punished them more than average. Oh, I took away a few gadgets. Last week, I locked the nursery to show I meant business. You've let this room replace you and your wife in your children's affections. This room is their real father and mother. And now you come along and want to shut it. You can feel the hatred coming out of that sky. George, turn everything off. The nursery, the automatic kitchen, the whole automatic house, and start now. But won't the shock be too much for the child? I don't want them going any deeper. Let's get out of here. Never like these rooms. nervous. Those lions look real, don't they? I don't suppose there's any way what that they could become real. Not that I know. Some flaw in the machinery, tampering? No. I don't imagine a room being turned off. Nothing ever likes to die, even a room. I wonder if it hates me for turning it off. Paranoia is thick today. Well, hello? Is this your scarf? It's stained. Brown. Blood. That's Lydia's. Come on, the main fuse box is out here. Go ahead, pull the switch. It's off. two children were in hysterics. They screamed and kicked and threw things. They yelled and sobbed and swore and jumped on the furniture, weeping. It's off and it stays off. The whole house dies as of now. He marched around the house, cutting switches and pulling fuses.
2: Don't let them do it! Don't let Pop kill everything! I hate you! I hate you.
1: Insults won't catch you anywhere.
2: I wish you were dead. We
1: were for a long while. Now we're going to start really living. Instead of being handled in the sides, we're going to live.
2: Once more, Daddy. Just once more. One more minute of the nursery, that's all. Just one more minute. Oh, George, it can't hurt, really. Oh,
1: all right. All right, only shut up. One minute, and that's the end. Forever.
2: Gee, thanks, Pop. Thanks. And then
1: we're going on a vacation. Dr. McLean is coming in half an hour to help us out. Lydia, turn on the nursery for just a minute.
2: Oh, boy. Come on, Wendy. Come on. Thanks, Daddy. Thanks a lot.
1: Just one minute, remember. Now, where'd I put those suitcases? Lydia!
2: Don't shout, George. I'm right here.
1: Did you leave them alone in the nursery? Well,
2: I've got to get ready, George.
1: Well, I guess we'd better get them out of there before they get involved with those beasts again.
2: Pop! Pop! Come here! Daddy! Mommy! Come on, quick! Wendy! Peter! What's the matter?
1: Hurry up! Open the nursery. Wendy! Peter!
2: Uh, They aren't anywhere. Wendy! Peter! Peter!
1: The door! Open the door! They've locked them from the outside. Peter! Peter! Let us out, Peter. Open the door. It's time to go. Open the door.
2: George. The lions.
1: Peter, do you hear me? Open this door. All around us,
2: George. Son. Son, do you hear me? Let us out. Son. George. Look
1: The lions. They're coming. When Dr. David McLean came, half hour later, he found the two children in the nursery sitting in the center of the open glade, eating a picnic lunch. Beyond them was the waterhole and the yellow veldt land. Above was the hot sun. At a distance, Dr. McLean saw the lions fighting and clawing and then settling down to feed in silence under the shady trees. Hi, kids. Where are your mom and dad?
2: Oh, they'll be here directly.
1: Good, good. We'd better get along. He squinted at the lions with his hands up to his eyes. Now they were done feeding and they moved to the waterhole to drink. A shadow flickered as the vultures dropped down from the blazing sky to finish what the lions left.
2: Dr. McGlean? Dr. McGlean?
1: Huh? What?
2: Have a cup of tea?
1: which concludes my report to date. There were no lions, of course. Not in a physical sense. Lydia and George were devoured, however, almost as surely as if there had been lions. Their personalities were devoured by the mechanistic marvels which had usurped their role as parents. All four members of the family are under intensive therapy now and are doing as well as can be expected send that by teller miss carver oh and uh would you ask george abbott to step inside i'm ready for it you have just heard x minus one presented by the national broadcasting company in cooperation with street and smith publishers of astounding
0: science fiction. the song of the blind the killer robot is on, and the dystopian utopia the insane agony or having your retina enough used by radiation with the optic nerve being completely destroyed, is just next level of pain. And then, to actually 100% die in the end to radiation, is just horrific. And the killer Robototon, which is what I call it, otherwise known as Automaton, that seeks love and murder for all humanity. (laughs) And obviously heavily influenced by Frankenstein's monster. It was really fun actually. That drawing by the robot actor always gets under my skin. And the utopia that consumed the minds and souls of two young children, enough to have their mother and father eaten by the not-so-imaginary lions. I see that as a cry against technology at the time, a sort of fear of what the new digital world and the land of digital entertainment could or would bring to the youth. That the technology is raising or rearing their kids to pay more attention to their children. Am I reading too deeply between the lines? Perhaps. What are your thoughts? Now, I want to say a big thank you to you for listening. Every lovely sausage out there listening helps spread the word of this podcast, so thank you very much. And now, I want to thank my Patreons. A huge mega thank you to Ode D T-Titan, Matto Star, spiralling through space at 42 light years per hour, swinging by my old podcast stand and shining their bright light on my show. Thank you Matto for being such a special person and enabling me to bring audio from ages back to the newest for little lovely ears and all ears of all kinds. Many of you lovelies might not realise though that the tools to repair this audio are super duper expensive and I've only been able to access this audio and repair them due to supporters like yourselves, or rather Patreons, and Mato Star. With your support, I can continue to use RX10, and properly resurrect these old gems, gems that no one out there would warrant listening to due to their condition, if only you lovelies could have heard what it sounded like before. Goodness, you want to keep your ears intact or what? So, thanks to you Matto, and the lovelies out there. For allowing me to breathe, literally, life into these damaged old time radio shows. You're a legend and a brilliant, lovely person. Also, I got your email and I'm looking forward to sinking my teeth into it. Cheers, you awesome fella. I'll be in touch. And the show would not be the same without my white tear warlord, Leza King Kong Rex. Mate, loved your response via Patreon, cracked me up. Who doesn't want to know they're helping a podcast and a pal, one vomit audio bite at a time? Liza, thanks to you, I can actually pay for the overhead of my website and also SoundCloud. I don't have to worry about whether or not the light of this show will stay on or if SoundCloud decides to fart me out of existence due to subscription costs. Cheers, man, for having my back. Thanks, Leza. Also, for those of you who didn't know, I was sick for around three weeks and I'm around 80 to... 90% there, where the doctor has finally put me on antibiotics. They were arming and Ari, and I'm like, Doc, I'm not getting better, what the heck? Please, let's blow this thing out of the water. I think I must have gotten multiple flus back to back. Yeah, super rough. I've only just got my voice back. And I've almost finished them as well, the antibiotics that is. Thanks for your emails with your support. I'm feeling the love, you sweethearts. If you ever wanna reach out to me, say hi, Introduce yourself, don't be a stranger. You can reach me at stories, fables, ghostly tales at gmail.com. That's stories, fables, ghostly tales at gmail.com. And you'll always hear from me. Also, I want to thank the peeps that put a ping in my pong, the swing in the swang, and hey in my hey hey. I'm lucky to have Chad Warren, Just Heather, Sunshine Days, Juicebox Andy, Peter Raffaele, Michelangelo Yacone, Divided by 0, Leah Fasig, Alia Arcane, Paige Kramer, and Jane Gumnick. Thank you, you epically kind people. Lastly, don't forget to leave a review. I really love iTunes ones. If you have 10 seconds spare, that goes a long way. And let me know you did it, just in case, so I can thank you personally. It's a great way for you to help me find more epic people like you to listen to the show. And if you want to support the show, you can visit my Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com forward SFGT. I don't run ads and I never ever want to or will. So I appreciate any love that I get sent my way. Now, pour your tea, make it nice. Ensure your flavoring is precise. Like a story, let it flow. Let the fables and tales take you home. It's these stories that bring us together, and old audio that reminds us of how we've changed. Stay a while, have a listen, and as always, I hope to see you again. Cheers, mates. See you next Monday.